Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Your Ben Jarofsky show for this Wednesday, June 7th starts now. On today's show, this man is so good that on this show, we give him his own day of the week. We're talking to Monroe Anderson on Monroe Wednesdays. And as always, the Ben Jarofsky Show brought to you in part by SEIU Healthcare Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for everything there is to know in the city of Chicago, where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, and so much more. There's a new column up there from Ben Jarofsky. It's actually a newsletter column, but you want to check out that drop at ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky. That's J-O-R-A-V as in victory, S-K-Y. Hello again, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling the CTA and Bears Wednesday, and here's why. Before I get to the Bears, and I'll tie it all together. Uh, thank you to the Nighthawk. Last night, outstanding first Tuesday show, if I must say myself, at the Nighthawks. My Duke Masafa and myself, uh, Linda Lopez, and State Representative Cam Buckner were there. A good crowd on hand. Uh, I see you, uh, listener Frank, uh, and Dave Glowatz, and Kenny Davis, uh, and um, and Stephen, the millennial. I see all of you. Uh, but anyway, uh, great crowd. And we were talking about the, the trials and tribulations of the CTA, the Chicago Transit Authority, uh, and what the city, particularly uh, Mayor Brandon Johnson, uh, can do to help increase ridership, uh, in the CTA, gain public confidence in the CTA, uh, and turn the CTA into an asset for the city of Chicago, that not just uh, for a matter of convenience, getting people from point A to point B, what a public transportation system should be, but just like giving people a sense of faith and hope about the future of Chicago. Like the, you can get on the train at any hour and, and not be worried uh, about uh, getting mugged or robbed, et cetera, and so forth safety concerns there and that the CTA uh, will be well funded uh, so that its future will always be a sense a guarantee you don't have to worry about the, the fiscal crisis uh, that the CTA uh, is uh, facing so we were having this discussion about this very crucial uh, part of Chicago that got overlooked in my humble opinion over the last four years uh, and on hand were several bus drivers uh, and train operators, employees, long-time employees of the CTA. And they had showed up to speak their mind. And when they got their opportunity to speak, we, we just said, you know what, let's open this up uh, to the to uh, all the the audience. So we started taking questions earlier than we usually do. Uh, we'll be dropping a podcast this, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to hear this in about a week or so. But anyway, we opened it up. And one after another, veteran bus drivers, people who know how the CTA operates, people who have seen it through good times and bad times, got up and very passionately denounced the disinvestment that has been going on for about 25 years, going back to the days of daily. And somehow or other, the people that run this city thought it would be a good idea to spend less on public transportation in Chicago, relatively speaking, that somehow or other, if you could replace human beings with machines, that was better for the future of Chicago. And it was like an echo. When they were talking, I was thinking about the, the writers on strike. I didn't hear any writers, W-R-I-T-E-R-S, writers, except for a few lefties, maybe right for the reader, complaining about how they were replacing human beings with machines at the CTA. It wasn't just happening at the CTA. I'm sure it was happening in public transit all over the country, but we're talking about here in Chicago. And so we're, now we're talking about things like public safety. 
and the bus drivers are saying stuff. You know, we used to have conductors on trains. That's like another human being on a train. Like, and eyes and ears. Like, do I don't know if something was going down, make a phone call to security or try to deal with the issue right there and then. Maybe clean up some of the debris that was all, that was left behind. You're worried about the the uh, the cleanliness of the trains, just in a general way. It's like you took it away. You thought it was a good idea to fire people. Disinvestment in a public institution. Same thing happened with our public schools. Close schools, fire teachers, clo- <laughs> fire social workers, nurses, etc. Oh, we're we're saving money. Now, whatever it thinks of the long term costs. So this disinvestment in the Chicago Transit Authority, in the CTA, in the main public transportation, the artery to our city, now we're suddenly dealing with the face-to-face reality post-pandemic. It was accelerated by the uh, pandemic. But Cam Buckner, State Representative Cam Buckner, very succinctly pointed out, he goes, the experience of what the pandemic did to the CTA exposed the weaknesses that already existed there. So it's not like a direct correlation completely. And now we have to deal with these long-term weaknesses. Move, move fast forward to the Bears. That same Cam Buckner, by the way, who was uh, kind enough to grace the stage with us yesterday to discuss the CTA in a, in a loom filled mostly with people of the leftist persuasion. Lefty Chicagoans. Alderwoman Rosanna Rodriguez was there, by the way. Shout out, Rosanna. Uh, earlier that day, he was at the Chamber of Commerce luncheon where he was dealing with a lot of mainstreamers and conservative types. And I don't know if there's a lot of MAGA types there, but you know, your old fashioned Chicago Republicans who now are more or less got to vote for MAGA because MAGA controls the party that they once controlled. And he was being uh, asked about the Bears in that instance. The Chicago Bears, the football team in Chicago that's wheeling and dealing, trying to play Naperville against Arlington Heights, against the Bears to get the biggest handout they can get, to get the most money they can squeeze for their football operation, to under right the cost of building a new football stadium because they don't like Soldier Field anymore. Even though it was already publicly, what, the taxpayers kicked in $650 million, something like that, 20 years ago. No, 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 that's outdated. We want a new stadium. Everybody thought they were going to go to Arlington Heights. Looked like they had that deal cut. They bought the land where the old racetrack used to be. They got the demolition permit uh, to tear it down. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, word breaks. Naperville reached out. Naperville, I still can't get over that. What a gangster move by Naperville, a sleepy little suburb western to the west of us, making a gangster move to get the Bears. Ladies and gentlemen, there is no way the Bears are going to Naperville. I'm telling you that right now. You heard it here first on this show. It's way too late in the process for Naperville. All Naperville has done by wooing the Bears is to drive up the cost of whichever municipality gets the Bears. That's all they've done. Arlington Heights was playing hardball with the Bears on property taxes. So the Bears court Naperville. Naperville goes, yeah, come to us. We're we're happy to have you. Then Bears turn back to Arlington Heights. It's going to go, well, we got a counter offer here. It's going to cost you a little more money. That's all Naperville did. They were stooges for the Bears. Their intervention does nothing for Naperville. All it does is cost money for Arlington Heights or Chicago. Now word's breaking that uh, Kevin Warren, the uh, president of the Chicago Bears, the brains behind the Chicago Bears, is meeting with Brandon Johnson. They may be meeting right now as I speak into this microphone. Just kind of like general get-to-know-you type thing. You know, Lori Lightfoot really dropped the ball on keeping the Bears in Chicago, if that's your goal. Actually, I kind of applaud her for dropping that ball, but whatever. So now Brandon Johnson is going to meet with Kevin Warren and go, well, what do you you say? Maybe we can come up with something for you. How about this land over here on on the west side or maybe on the far south side or in the south loop? Or, you know, where would you like to have a stadium in Chicago? 
Maybe we could figure out a way to cut a deal. So if they come back to Chicago, all Naperville will have done, or if they stay in Chicago, all Naperville will have done is drive up the cost of Chicagoans. So think about this, ladies and gentlemen. It's somehow or other considered economic development in the well best interest of all Chicagoans to give money to the Bears to build a stadium. But it's not considered economic development. It's considered prudent management when you cut the CTA. So now, like, ridership's falling. People, there's, like, the danger that we'll have to dramatically cut services because we thought it was prudent to cut the CTA. Somehow or other, we have been so brainwashed in this city. Anytime we give public dollars to a private institution, it's considered progress. Anytime we invest public dollars in a public institution, in public people, the people to work, it's considered a waste of money. We've been brainwashed, Chicago. And the Bears are going to be the beneficiaries. All right. Monroe Anderson has very patiently been sitting by waiting for me. And Monroe Anderson, dear friend of mine, dear friend of this show, every Wednesday he comes on here. We got Trump, Trump, Trump news to talk about, Chris Christie to talk about. But Monroe Anderson does not agree with me completely on the Chicago Bears and their worth in Chicago. And to show you how open-minded I am to other viewpoints... <laughs> I'm going to ask Monroe Anderson for his opinion. Is it worth it for Chicago to spend one nickel more than we've already spent on the Chicago Bears? Who, by the way, I may point out, Monroe, as you know, because you are a football fan. You're not a basketball fan. You are a football. Are a worthless football team. They are terrible. Okay, I just must point that out, Monroe. All right. This this is the year we've been waiting for. <laughs> That's hilarious, man. This is the year. Oh. No, actually, I I I I'm a mixed emotion about uh, the Bears being here, oh. sitting in the city. Um, it's 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 a lot of money, and I don't think that we should help make the McCaskies and whoever else richer mm-hmm. millionaires. You know, I think I, I think they ought to pay their fair share. Uh, and I could see where moving to Arlington would work out well for them because they could set up their own little um, berry land instead of Disney <laughs> out there. Yeah, <laughs> you have rides and, <laughs> and food stands and places for people to stay, etc. Uh, however, as I've, I've told you before, if they move out there or Naperville, then you won't get the beauty shots of the city of Chicago. And there's a certain inherent value, advertising value for the city to show our skyline, show what a beautiful city. Because a lot of people, if, if you haven't been to Chicago and you've only heard about um, the shootings and what have you, then you have you, you think of Chicago as some little big dinky town, uh, big master ghetto. So you have no interest in coming here. So there's an advantage for them to stay um, in the city so that you will get the beauty shots in between breaks and what have you on TV. On the other hand, though, it is too much money and we shouldn't help the owners. Get yeah, I, uh, those beauty shots, man. We've had this discussion. The, yeah. I got news for you. They'll do the beauty shots even if the games are being played in Arlington Heights. Or they are going to do that. Shots, you're going to have a Naperville. They they, they, no, Naperville going to get it either. No, the, the <laughs> networks are not going to shoot. They're not going to shoot downtown Chicago if the Bears are in Arlington. You know, I can't remember, and I'm at a disadvantage here, like what I believe 
when the Giants and the Jets, New York Giants and New York Jets, are playing their games, which they play in New Jersey, yeah, I do believe they show like Rockefeller Center, no, or the S- Statue of Liberty. I, you know what? Neither yeah. of us can remember, so it's like now. I've, I've, I've since we had that discussion, I've watched a couple of uh, games and, and been on the lookout for that, and I didn't see it. You didn't see it. All right. Well, yeah. I, I can't remember. Uh, I, I watched, shown on different networks. So one network may do it, or another. Network. Yeah. But here's the thing, man. This reminds me of Nixon in China. Now, for all you youngsters out there here, I'm going to explain something. Richard M. Nixon was one of the most fiercely anti-communist politicians in this country uh, in the post-World War II era from 1946 or so into the 1970s. Uh, as such, uh, he waged war, war, uh, a war of words, a war of rhetoric against communism in any form. But he was the president who felt secure because he had been so fiercely anti-communist to uh, go to China and meet with Mao and open up the door between the United States and China and open up uh, uh, diplomatic relations and business relations. Monroe, yeah. Brandon Johnson. Mayor Brandon Johnson, who was supported and elected by lefties, who uh, is a, uh, a former employee at a Chicago Teachers Union. Right. And uh, he was an Elizabeth Warren Democrat, not a Bernie Democrat, Elizabeth Warren Democrat. Yeah. Because of that, he may have the freedom, if you will, the credibility is another way of looking at it, of cutting a deal with the Bears to build them their stadium that will keep them in town for uh, quite a while. Just like Harold Washington, the greatest mayor the city of Chicago has ever had, you and I agree in that, cut the deal with the White Sox that kept them in town and build the new White Sox stadium. Eventually, your guy was the mayor, Eugene Sir, when the when the deal went down and the stadium was built. But And, um, and, and, and he also got the Cubs night lights. Your guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he loves giving credit to Eugene Sawyer. All right. Uh, the forgotten mayor who was never elected by anybody except for Bertoli <laughs> Act 29. All right. So uh, what's your thoughts about Brandon Johnson being Chicago's equivalent of Richard Nixon going to China? Yeah, I, I, I think he could he, he, he could easily do that. Uh, but he's going to have to move it to the west side or the south side. He's gonna he's gonna have to put it somewhere. Uh, maybe the, the former U.S. Steel site. I mean, he could get away with doing that, but um, it's you know it's I, like I said, we don't need to help make the the ownership of the Bears billionaires. I don't think they're there now unless they sold it. Unless they sell it, they become billion. They can sell it for billions of dollars, but I don't think they are billionaires right now. And the, and um, the NFL has become a game of billionaires. <laughs> it's their thrones. Uh, but before before we go on to national stuff, let's also talk about the CTA. Go. Okay. I okay. In 2006, I think it was, it was 2000, yeah, it was 2006, when I was writing a column for the Sun-Times, Mayor Daly went to China yeah, and, rode, and rode the their subway, you know, which uh, was super modern, what have you. Yeah. And as fate would have it, I was taking the subway somewhere, the brown, or the uh, red line. Mm-hmm. Somewhere, and I, I I boarded. I was boarding on Chicago Avenue. I was having trouble with my car getting through, and I went to try to pay for some more uh, money to put on so I could get through, and it, it wouldn't work. The machines were not working. Mm-hmm. So I talked. You being a journalist that I am, I talked to some of the employees who were there, and they talked about how incompetent the daily administration was 
and running the CTA. They said that um, they hadn't factored in the traffic that it was getting. And, and, and um, so they were coming to the machines in the middle of the day, taking the money out because the machines had filled up and therefore were not accepting, accepting any more cash. Yeah. And they didn't know that. I also talked to um, one of the CTA employees at the Brown line. And um, she told me when your other favorite mayor, Rom, put in the new, <laughs> new seats, the New York, the New York style seats. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That that was going to be an invitation for the homeless to, to shack up there because instead of having the two seats by which is not comfortable to sleep on, now they had an entire bed they could <laughs> bring their pillows and their blankets and have a good old time. So uh, that is that's part of the problem is just mismanagement. No, it's okay. I mean, let's follow up on this. Okay. I I believe that the CTA has been overseen uh in this case by two mayors and their appointees who never listened to anybody on the ground who actually ran the operation. Right. So they're absolutely clueless. Mayor Rom came in, he was clueless about public education. He exhibited that ignorance in comments that he made repeatedly uh during the 2011. Chicago didn't care about that. But the schools paid a price and right. the resistance of the teachers union in 2011, 2012 forced the city to hold back uh, on the disinvestment to, that Rom and Daly, uh, particularly Rom, uh, had been uh, doing to the public schools. But there has been no union resistance like that that stopped our powerful mayors from the CTA. And their disinvestment that the 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 transit union is just not as strong as the teachers union Monroe right. you notice right and so like you'll you'll talk like you, you an inquiring reporter with an inquisitive mind talks to people who know and they point out the obvious flaws just like I remember the nineties talking to teachers and they were telling me about these ridiculous curriculum ideas that were coming out of Paul Vallis and Jer Gary Chico. You know, you talk to people who are actually know about what they're doing. It's different than talking. If you just talk to your friends or your cronies or your the, the contractors are going to make a fortune. So, yes, I feel we have suffered. You're absolutely correct. We have suffered as a city because our mayors and politicians have treated the CTA. I don't I don't know. It's like a, like their little private what is it like their little private company that they control without yeah they don't they don't ride the CTA. yeah when i when i was press secretary with sorry we rode in limousines we didn't ride the train <laughs> so, yeah. although i i had ridden ctas and i i i, I and, and um so i knew what it was like to be on it yeah. And frankly, it's worse now because of the homeless situation. Ray Rahm, uh, he took pride in the fact that he occasionally rode the, the, the Brown Line downtown and he would make sure there would be pictures of him on the Brown Line. And and I actually I remember uh, some people, oh my, they, they would text me pictures. Like, Look who was on the train with me today. And it would picture Mayor Rahm. And uh, so I give him credit for that. You know, even though it's mostly PR. Well, he was everything with Rom is PR. He, 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 he would have moved into Cabrini Green if he had torn it down first. <laughs> Jane Byrne, youngsters. Mayor Jane Byrne, Cabrini Green, a public. You know, I feel like compelled to, I, I have to explain so much in the world, Monroe. Like you said, moving to Cabrini Green. I got to explain what Cabrini Green is. Then you got to say who moved there. It's just like the older you get, the more Stephen last night, shout out Stephen at, at the show was like, it's like I'm constantly, he pointed out, I'm constantly explaining things to younger people about what the world was and, uh, and how what happened then connects to what's happening now. And 
Oh, God, millennials, you'll be doing it in about 40 years. Trust me. Right. Uh, You'll be explaining it to the next generation and you'll just be in disbelief that you have to. Uh, But Mayor Rahm took. But the the thing is, is that Mayor Rahm, you know, those that was just a staged presence. Mayor Rahm was just like you and Sawyer. When he had to get someplace, he'd be zipping around in his the city cars, you know, going through red lights, you know, it, it, oh, no, he planned on the CTA to like get to a meeting at night, you know? Right. Although, so, you know, um, I used to run into this was many, 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 many years ago, but Adlai Stevenson yeah. third took the train. I would see him standing, waiting on, yeah. on, the, on the Brown line. Yes, uh, and 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 this was on a regular basis. It wasn't for because he, he didn't run for anything. Yeah, he was not. He was a po- private citizen. It wasn't exactly. for PR like Rom. Exactly. Everything exactly. Rom Emanuel does, and you notice Monroe is like calculated. How could I get exposure? And the one I love to point out was the Sun Times and WBEZ. Just did their uh, review ten years after the, after the mayor Rom closed fifty schools, and of course they showed all the promises that he made were broken, that it didn't benefit any of the people that he claimed he was trying to benefit, meaning low income black people. It was absolutely it didn't save any money. They couldn't calculate any money. So it was just just like a, a tire wasted effort, uh, and he was unavailable for comment. They couldn't reach him for comment on that. But at that same time, he wanted credit for some deal he cooked up for the University of Chicago. So Monroe, what did he somehow or other he got a hold of the Sun Times? Lynn Sweet got a big, nice column. Mayor Rom gives helps broker deal for University. I go, wait a minute, what? How come he's available for that? But now he's not available to talk about the consequences of closing fifty schools, Monroe Anderson. And you know as well as I do, it's because one would help his image, and the other would hurt his image. I feel about Mayor All right, uh, let's move on uh, to national politics. Uh, so much to discuss in the world of the Republican Party. And that's generally the way it is, Monroe, the party that's out of uh, power coming into an election year. That's where the attention is because no one knows who's going to be the nominee. So that's where the competition is. Uh, your favorite vice president, Mike Pence, uh, has thrown his hat into the ring. Uh, and uh, your favorite governor, Chris Christie. Uh, my, 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 my favorite Obama hugger. <laughs> ruined his career. That's how insane the Republicans are. The man it ruined his political career by hugging Barack Obama in 2012 when they were cooperating. And he was so, at that time, he was so excited. To, to actually be recognized a meeting with a president. Yeah. He didn't care who it was. It was like he was making his mother proud, literally, that, that her son was hanging out with the president of the United States. And that's how he was thinking about it. And uh, in the meantime, uh, the Republicans were thinking about it like we did with Sammy Davis Jr. hugging Nixon. <laughs> Which is another one for your millennials to look up. Oh, yeah, forget it, millennials. I that just mind blown. <laughs> mind blown. Uh if I could go on a I could go down a tangent about Sammy Davis Jr. and Jim Brown and uh Richard Nixon and Will Chamberlain on the nineteen seventy two campaign, but I am going to avoid that. Um yeah, so Chris Christie. All right, let's uh uh let's start uh with Chris Christie. Uh, very interesting campaign uh, he's running. He's running for the Republican nomination, not the Democratic nomination. And the Republican Party, as we know, is controlled by MAGA. And MAGA adores with cult-like allegiance Donald Trump. And right. he's running by bashing Trump. He's bashing And, and they don't like him. The Republicans don't like him. He's the least liked Republican. Don't, number two is Pence. <laughs> but number one is Chris Christie. And the only reason I can think that is Chris Christie is because he was too nice to Obama 15 years ago or so. Well, wait, hold on. Chris Christie is 
vehemently disliked by um, Republicans. And I did. I just saw the poll. Yeah. They cite, I think, 60 percent of Republicans say he's the most disliked. They would never vote for him or something like that yeah. uh, be, because he's bashing Trump. No, he just bashing right. Trump. He's been, he's been kissing Trump's ass uh, since 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 he dropped out of the race in 2016. Yeah. Yeah. But in the last three months he's been bashing trump yeah because he's running for president but he's his just his yeah his popularity was never that great among but here we go uh this is from today's new york times in a speech that began with the history of america standing up to foreign dictators including during the during world war ii in the cold water in the cold war excuse me uh chris christie said quote the reason i'm running the reason i'm here tonight is because this is one of those moments he has previously mocked Mr. Trump's dwindling crowd size, called him a loser, and said he crossed the line with his actions that led a pro, pro-Trump mob to attack the Capitol on January 6th. And he's described himself as able to capture the nomination. I am the viable Trump alternative, Christie recently told the Daily Beast. Yeah. So he's running against the, the man the cult adores. I don't. I can't see how that's a ticket for success. Help me out with no, this. No, it's not. No, no. He's he, he's on a kamikaze mission. <laughs> that's what he is. I mean, he is so he is so pissed off at Trump because they, you know, they used to be buds. Yeah. In fact, he he the he was the first of the sixteen or seventeen to running running against Trump to drop right. out, um, thinking that he'd make a great vice president. Yep. And he may have made a great vice president if it weren't for the little um, insignificant fact that he said, Jared's daddy to jail. Wow. Here's a thought. Yes. This is a thought. All that pre-show planning we did out the window, I just thought popped in that that didn't even occur to me when we were talking. We do this show twice, ladies and gentlemen. We do the show for pre-show planning, and then we do the show. Uh, Monroe, what if Trump had taken Christie as his VP, and it was Vice President Christie sitting at the podium on January 6, 2021? Or January, uh, yeah, was that the yeah that was the day, right? Am I correct? Yeah, and they were counting up uh, the electors to determine that Joe Biden was in fact the president. Do you think he would have resisted the mob the way Pence did, or do you think he would have been a loyal suck up to Trump, uh, and that he would count it the the pro Trump electors? making Trump the president, even though he lost the election. I think he would have done the same thing that Pence did, you know, because it's so, I mean, Pence tried to try to figure out how he could do it. He even called um, the, the other vice president, former vice president from Indiana. Uh, Cordell. Well, a man who couldn't spell potatoes. Right? <laughs> Harder than it looks, Monroe. Okay, I have to do it. Right? I know. Man. I know. Right? Exactly. <laughs> that's a, 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 a that's a college level <laughs> challenge. After after you got into college, then you have to spell potatoes. <laughs> anyway, he called Quail. The only reason I brought up the potatoes thing is was fun, but also to um, underscore that Quail is not exactly a genius. <laughs> and he calls up Quail, and Quail said, "You can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> They're lying to you. They're fooling you. Have no authority as vice president to do what Trump wants you to do. It just can't be done." And so he went along. So, so um, Christie has certain ethical and moral challenges that he likes to ignore. But, um, but no, he, 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 if he had been sitting there, he wouldn't have done it either. 
I, I, I like to very, he also thinks enough of himself that he wants his histor- historical position yeah. to be correct. Yeah. You know, Barr, uh, the greatest example of that is Bill Barr. Mm. When we got to, to, to January 6th, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I'm out of here. Yeah, that's the line that can't be crossed. Exactly. Trump wanted him to, uh, to uh, join forces with him in the coup. Right. And uh, it would have been the end of democracy as we know it in this country and democracy as we know it in this country has its flaws, to put it mildly. Yeah. But this would have been the one step they weren't going to go. Right. Uh, and uh, Moscow Mitch, he said, no, 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 yeah. no, no, no. Yeah. Uh, all right. So Mike Pence uh, is also as we speak, I believe he's announcing as we do this, uh, have this conversation. Yeah, he's done now. He, oh, he's done. Okay. Finished about an hour ago. Uh, he, he, yeah. The difference between him, because you call me just as he's about to t- explain it. Yeah. The difference between him and his former boss, who he's running against, okay, is he believes in the Constitution. <laughs> so <laughs> that's he, he, <laughs> All right. So let's let's focus on this: the madness of where our country is right now. So in a country where the Republican Party was more or less, how do I put this, a legitimate party as opposed to a cult, he would be a front runner for the courageous stand he took, and I'm just spinning it as he spins it, right? in standing up to a coup, even though his life was threatened and there would be commercials. They would air. His life was threatened, and yet he still would not budge. One, and one, one and the, now he's, the, he's yeah. like below only uh, the only guy he's ahead of in the polls in, in terms of popularity uh, among Republicans is Christie. Right. The world is insane, Monroe. Go ahead. On MSNBC today, they were talking about Christie coming in and out. Chris Christie is a hitman, you know. I mean, it, what he's been talking—he's—he's he's been criticizing Trump hard already, and um, Pence still hasn't gotten around to it. And the 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 anchor—I forget who it was—referred to Pence as mayonnaise on toast. <laughs> <laughs> With nothing else, just that's it. Uh, <laughs> Don't even put a piece of cheese on that toast. No, man, man, no toast. That's how boring it is. Yeah, I, but you get what I'm saying. It's like the the thing that makes him, in my opinion, the only thing that makes him a worthwhile, in my opinion, public official, is the stand he took against the coup in 2000. Uh, and 21 that is works against him in the MAGA cult. Right. They feel he's disloyal to Trump. Right. Even though what Trump was trying to do was to engineer a coup. Right. No, from their perspective, the MAGA, the, the vast majority of Republicans, from their perspective, Trump was trying to not allow the deep state to deny him of the power that and his office that he should have had. If they go through the uh, Biden and and the gang had gone out, stole the election and um, they were trying to correct this. To this day, I mean, it's just absolutely amazing to me to this day Republicans still believe the big lie. Yeah. It's been exposed every which way. No, it, it gets exposed every which way. Uh, and uh, it, they, it's like they don't care. And it's, it, we're going to get into Trump's legal woes with the, up, the update on Trump's legal woes and uh, Monroe's prediction uh, on that front. But it's now just become a common, common conclusion across the board. I read it a dozen times, I want to say, in a daily newspaper and commentary. I hear it all the time. I say it all the time. We just, 
that nothing that is revealed about Trump will matter to MAGA. Nothing. Nothing. Uh, They interviewed um, one of the reporters today, (laughs) interviewed a bunch of Trump people. Yeah. I said, well, what if what 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 if he's indicted again uh, and they don't care because they think that it's all rigged. That it's been the, the fix is in it's a witch hunt and that he's the rightful president. And and uh, so anything that happens, they don't believe yeah. they don't trust, you know, the. The, the the deep state is in in charge, and of course everybody in the deep state hates Trump. Yeah, for God knows why. You know, yeah. <laughs> and then to do with him being a a, a a thief and a liar and and uh, un American and a, a sexual assault and you know and none of that stuff counts. They, they, they don't they don't understand why he's such a great man and he did such a great job. You know, Monroe, I got to say, I'm going to tie the two themes of today together. I remember thinking about watching Mayor Rahm preside over the city council in in those early years. He was commanding about 50 to nothing vote on his budget in particular. And he looked out at them and I thought, I'm sure he's thinking, God, I never realized it was so easy to totally control these little Cretans, they're just—they're just like little puppets. I—I—I I, I, I didn't even live in Chicago uh, six months ago, and now I'm here, and they're already bowing down to me. And I could do anything. I could close clinics. I could close schools. I could do any. Fast forward, Donald Trump—he's <laughs> like Rom controlling the city council. He could do anything. He could say anything. He could rape. He could pillage. Anything. sexual assault, and it doesn't matter. He controls MAGA the way Rom controlled the city council. No, worse. He's worse. It's a Rom. You compare Rom and, and and Trump, and Rom comes out looking like a decent guy. No, I, I'm not talking about as human beings. I'm just yeah. talking about the amount of control they have. Well, yeah, their, yeah. Well, that's this is true. Their little robot followers. Yeah, this is true. Uh, you know, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. I would take. I would vote for Rahm in a heartbeat. Me would vote for Rahm in a heartbeat over uh, Donald Trump. Uh, I think. Let's get that out there. Yeah, uh, you, you know, um, I think we may have mentioned this on past shows, but I'm not sure. But Trump, if he's convicted, if he's indicted and convicted, he could run for president. And he will run for president. He if, is going to run. He's, yeah, yeah, he I'm is convicted. under indictment. Yeah. Convicted. yeah, indictment. Yeah, for sure. But I'm saying if he's actually convicted and he's wearing a leg iron, <laughs> <laughs> he, he's still he's still gonna he's still gonna ankle because he sees being president as his get out of jail free card, and and Putin. Is helping him again because Putin sees that Trump getting in office is the only way that um, he's going to win in Ukraine. Oh man, that's insane! That that just uh, Ukraine, the the, the Russian uh, invasion of Ukraine. I that's well, I'm going to hold off on that one because that one just the amount of waste, the amount of money, the amount of human beings get slaughtered it just right for what right oh, all right um, ego. yeah just insanity utter insanity all right uh so you made a bold prediction to me uh the this morning yes uh and uh or actually this early afternoon that's when the conversation took place yes uh and uh so why don't you share that prediction uh with the listeners uh, as we speak, I just want everybody to know it is approximately 2.30 in the afternoon right. on Wednesday, June 7th, 2023. Go ahead. Your prediction. My prediction is that maybe before the day is out, but definitely okay. before 
we meet again next Wednesday. Wow. Donald Trump will have been indicted on the by Jack Smith under uh, for the documents charge. Keeping keeping the the the, the documents. Um, if, if Trump is so deep into this, they have tape of him um, directing his people as, as with a dress rehearsal of where to take the doctors before the FBI came in. Wow. Uh, I we're uh, I'm gonna. To let everybody know, uh, Ace Attorney Jim Coogan will be joining us, I guess, in about a week or so. I'm going to bring him on because it's about time we uh, took the legal deep dive on Donald Trump. Uh, and uh, but uh, I still this is a conversation I've had with uh, Coogan many times. I'm I'm all over the map as to what motivated Trump. To take those documents and then hold on to them. And uh, you could say. Like, well, it just it was oversight. It was a mistake. He didn't mean to. He was just like, this is the Monroe Anderson argument. You know, you're you're packing up uh, to leave no, the White that House. Was my argument. That was, <laughs> uh, that was uh, I was quoting somebody. Yeah. Well, you were also talking about how when you left one of your offices and you Yeah, right. Up. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, no, so I was saying, and this was early on. Yeah. But is that yeah. he's. He he did it on purpose, and um, he was he he he's gonna he was planning on making money off of them, some kind of way. I don't know whether he's gonna sell it to the Saudi Arabians, the, the Arabs, the Saudis, mm-hmm. because they they aren't getting along with Iran at all. I don't know, but he's he, he he's a transactional yeah. human being. And so he was looking for the next trans to act on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's kind of where I've stood on it all. It was, he saw that they had value. So he goes, oh, yeah, I'll sell it to somebody or right. get something for them. Uh, and, and then he just kept forcing the issue. Uh, and, and also, I think there's a part of him, Monroe, this is pretty obvious, but I'll say it anyway, that thrives on the, uh, the, breaking the law and then whipping up support uh, by crying foul. Like he's a victim. He's been doing that for the last four years. Right. And I mean, the cultists just pour in the money uh, every time he crawls, they're picking on me again. And here comes the money. You know what I'm saying? So I think he, one of the things he's going to be when the indictments start rolling in, Mm Mm-hmm. One of those indictments is going to be how he hustled his people yeah. into getting campaign uh, collections when he knew, claiming that he had won the race that he had, and he, in fact, knew that he had lost. He had everybody and their mama telling him, you lost <laughs> the race. <laughs> his, 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 his daughter told him you lost the race. Yeah. It's yeah. in law told him. In fact, you don't hear hear about them anymore. I mean they they they've gotten they've 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 just separated from them. Yeah, well who knows what's going on in the Trump uh household. you know, it's just I mean that's it's such a dysfunctional scene. It's played out publicly. Uh and everybody's seeking daddy's approval, not getting it. Uh it's it's kind of pathetic, actually. So yeah, so that's your uh, prediction. Uh, if not by the end of the day, then definitely by the time uh, we convene next Wednesday, Donald Trump will be indicted uh, right. for document theft uh, or whatever they call it. And then and more to come because and we got January six coming up. Yeah. We got uh, Georgia coming up. That uh, that that's that's gonna happen uh, in a, in a couple of months or less. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, in the meanwhile, uh, let's uh, move on to uh, the war that Ron DeSantis continues to wage against woke. Uh, Oh, by the way, Monroe. Yes. Last week. That just reminds me. 
Last week, we were uh, having, you and I had a discourse. It was right after Trump made these comments about woke. Okay. Yes. Uh, and uh, and we go, has it? Has he had a real change of heart? Uh, and then nine hours later, I think it was, he gave a speech at a different setting yes. uh, and had something else to say. And uh, producer Chris has very dutifully collected these tapes. appreciate him for doing this. Uh, so... This is, ladies and gentlemen, I talked about this. Chris is going to play it. Uh, Chris, let's play the anti-woke Donald Trump that he began the day with, the anti-woke Donald Trump. It's gone sick. And I don't like the term woke because I hear woke, woke, woke. You know, it's like just a term that use half the people can't even define it. They don't know what it is. That's Donald Trump. Like he's against the anti-woke. Okay. Nine hours later, here's the same Donald Trump. Take it away, producer Chris. Military is great. A lot of things going on with our military, with the woke and all this nonsense. They're not, they're not learning to fight and protect us from some very bad people. They want to go woke. They want to go woke. That's all they talk about now. I see letters that are being sent. It's horrible. I mean, it's really a, a serious problem. That would end immediately. Who knows what he's talking? We're, we're going to get into Donald Trump's dementia versus Joe Biden's dementia in a little bit. But Monroe, I think that puts to rest any notion uh, that I, it was me, not you. I take full responsibility for this, that Donald Trump was thinking strategically and trying to position himself to like more to the center than Ron DeSantis. When in reality, it's just Donald Trump babbling. <laughs> Right. Whatever he said at that moment is exactly. where he's at. Yeah, and he, and he forgets later. Uh, he didn't realize he said it that way. Or who knows? You know, it's his story is he he has earned a special place in American history. Two hundred years from now, they'll be making references to him and all the horrible things he did and how he did them. If, if he hasn't succeeded and turned this country into a fascist state. Yeah, yeah. You know I, mean? I don't think he's going to succeed. I don't think, I don't see it. So we're close, we're, we're, we're close but in, in fact, I, I think after all the indictments are done and the trials, by the time the trials start, he's going to be um, a non-entity except for the, the, the cultists. Well, the cultists are the Republican Party. Well, no, they yeah, but they've they, you you're losing they're they're losing membership. Well, slowly uh, but surely. But but the the the, the thing is, as each you know, it's it's he he he's going to have a death of a thousand cuts, yeah. but he's going to have a death. All right, uh, that gets to the, the dementia question. Yes. Uh, and I've been thinking about this. I uh, I watched a clip of Stephen A. Smith. I don't know if you know who Stephen A. Smith is. Uh, he is a sports guy. Yeah. OK, you know, yeah. uh, and so for listeners who are not into sports, he's one of the most uh, po- popular or best known uh, sportscasters in America today uh, on ESPN. A sports commentator is known for the hot take. And uh, so yesterday he gave an interview. I don't know if it was yesterday, but it was a recently gave an interview with Sean Hannity. Uh, and in that interview, Stephen A. Smith declared that he was probably going to vote for Chris Christie. Uh, and then he was just through with Joe Biden. And then he, and then because he didn't want to criticize Biden too much, uh, he said, I, I, I blame it on the Democrats, which is kind of interesting. Pulled back. I'm, I don't know. <laughs> I blame it on the Democrats. What are the Democrats supposed to do? They elected a president. So why? It just made no sense. I just don't think a a president. And this can't be said enough that has legislatively accomplished more than any president since LBJ. Yeah. So Stephen A. Smith is fabulously wealthy, so it could be a tax issue. I don't know what he's got against Joe Biden. Joe Biden is essentially a centrist. And that's I don't know why. uh, a sportscaster would have an objection to it as a centrist unless he's a lefty and Stephen A. Smith is clearly no lefty uh, and that he does not want to be associated with Donald Trump. So he says he's for Chris Christie. Uh, so. So he's, he's made he's, no sense. It was just like a, no, he's a good, he's a good old fashioned used to be Republican. Lester, Lester Holt was a Republican. 
and and quit the party because of of Trump. So you, I mean, you have lots of people like. All that. right, so it's a uh, it's so it's an issue of taxes, is what you're saying. Um, it and and so Hannity kept pushing him to take a stand uh, against Joe Biden, which Stephen A. Smith didn't want to do. And Hannity kept pushing. He's so clearly feeble. He's so clearly, I don't know if he used the word, demented. And I'm like, this is quite an unusual position for the Republican and MAGA people to be taking, to object to Joe Biden's mental state when Donald Trump is a lunatic. Right. It's a different form of dementia, Monroe, if you follow what I'm saying. Yeah, well, Joe, Joe is not demented at all. He has no dementia. There's no signs of dementia with him. Well, okay, I'm, I'm probably misusing the word, so I apologize. But it's a different sign of slowness of the brain, if you're all right. I mean, Joe Biden clearly is not as sharp as he used to be. No, none of no, us are. I, I guess. That big to differ. Joe Biden was never sharp. Okay. <laughs> so Joe is Joe. <laughs> Joe is Joe, and it hasn't changed. Right, exactly. But I feel Donald Trump is is. If there's anybody who's losing it, it's Donald Trump. Oh, it's Trump. It's yeah, it's Trump. Trump used to. If you look at his old tapes back from the nineties, he was quite different. You know, he he was. Um, much faster in a snake oil salesman sort of way. But anyway, I mean, he was much sharper than he is now. So I get the feeling that I said this many times, the most voters don't care. I've well, said that. I know it's the case of Chicagoans that kept them voting for daily year after year. So, or election after election. I, I feel most voters absolutely don't care if their leader that they're voting for is... No, the Democrats a, don't like Joe because he's so old. They don't, you know, I mean, they, they don't dislike Joe, but they're not comfortable with him being as old as he is. Who, who, who's, who, who? Democrats. Democrats. I mean, oh, he, yeah, I, I think he has a 40-some percent rating among Democrats. Although yeah, he's, he's accomplished he's not, all this yeah. stuff, including... The the um, the debt ceiling. He very deftly pulled that off. I mean, he does it, but it's not with a lot of splish splash or anything. He just gets it done. And he's a true negotiator, not um, an art of the deal negotiator yeah. like uh, Trump is. Yeah, he did manage uh, to get out of that uh, debt ceiling negotiations uh, with unanimity pretty much uh among democrats i mean i know some democrats voted against it but right. uh, there's not powerful railing against him by democratic party meanwhile <laughs> kevin mccarthy the house speaker uh is just the target of so much uh, anger and bitterness by uh the hardcore maga extremists right that so it's like he's wounded and yeah, so, yeah no, biden, look if biden were mayor of the city of chicago Everybody in the mainstream were proclaiming him as a great leader and a visionary. You get what right. I'm saying? Uh, right. It would just be lefties like me who would be complaining. <laughs> Nobody cares about us. So, um, yeah, I, I, I feel he's been uh, underappreciated, underestimated. And uh, you're right. You, you know, when I think about it, you're right. Stephen A. Smith is just a Republican. Uh, it's essentially he wants his taxes lowered. He wants to pay less in taxes. He doesn't want to come out and say it. So, <laughs> yeah. Blames Democrats for what? I'm not quite sure. And then endorses Chris Christie. Uh, sort of thinking that Chris Christie is a Republican. One thing Chris Christie will do is lower taxes on rich guys. Now, Chris Christie is a Republican. He just, you know, he's, 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 he's hardcore Republican. So, so, you know, he's, you know, it's, um, yeah, just don't, don't get that confused. You know, the same with Liz Cheney. She's a Republican. Uh, All right. We're going to close with something that has never been discussed on the Ben Jarofsky show. And I'm doing this, I don't know, just, partly because I want to cross a border that has never been crossed golf. And uh, 
so yesterday, or I think we lost track of time, but recently the PGA uh, cut a deal with the LIB Golf uh, World Tour Partnership. They uh, an accord uh, in which they will join these two golf leagues, if you will, together as one. Uh, and the LV was financed by the Saudis. Uh, and it was about a year or so ago that there was news. Uh, it was outraged by this. It's, it's owned by the Saudis. It's, yeah, their, owned by the Saudis. it's, it's their PR vehicle. Uh, people forget all the horrible things they're doing. Doing. That's correct. And hooked up with Donnie Trump, of course, who else, uh, who owns golf courses throughout the world. And they want to play uh, their tournaments on his courses. Uh, and so the, the PGA uh, cut a deal with them. Uh, and now it's a joint ventureship, uh, basically. And uh, the head of the PGA, who a year ago uh, said it would, he would never join forces, Jay uh, Moynihan is his name, uh, in part because he would never forget uh, the 3,000 who died at 9-11 in attacks that he uh, linked uh, with extremists from uh, Saudi Arabia. Well, suddenly they don't, I guess they don't matter anymore, or he's rethought 9 11. I'm not quite sure what yeah. money matters. So, he, no, what he said in, in his 180 degree <laughs> shift in less than a year, yeah. what he said was that 10 years from now, people will be glad they did this because golf will still exist and they'll be happy with it, and et cetera. In the meantime, he, he golfers like um, um, some of some of the regular golfers like uh, oh my god I can't believe I'm doing this uh, the black golfer the Tiger Woods <laughs> Tiger Woods the and only the golfer that you and I know Tiger right. Woods right. <laughs> yeah Tiger Woods Tiger Woods made, gotten paid by LIV a billion bucks or something. Yeah. If he had just played for them. Yeah. But Tiger was principled and, st and stuck with the PGA. And so now that the deal's been cut, um, Tiger's going to be paying for or playing for LIV like everybody else. And he didn't get his billion or whatever. No. They were overpaid for it. Yeah. No. Capitalism. It's it's <laughs> capitalism is something else, man. And uh, capitalism is running wild. Yeah, I don't know if you paid any attention to that. Uh, Fifteen years ago, they had this series called "Girls Gone Gone Wild." Yeah, where they would get them drunk in, in, yeah. in Florida and they take off their clothes and do all sorts of stuff uh, that they shouldn't have been doing in public. Anyway, that's where capitalism is right now. It's gone wild because we don't have the 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 communists or our strong socialist organization to shame the capitalists when they go too far. Well, uh, there, Putin is Russia is no longer a communist country; it's a thugography, uh, and the Chinese are. Communists when they they want to be, and then capitalists when they want to be. Yeah. I mean, they, they they're not they're not using Thou's little red book. No, there is a uh, shamelessness. Right, it's a, uh, yeah, it's a, yeah, shamelessness to uh, capitalism today. We see it uh, in the words and the actions. People like Elon Musk, Donald Trump. Uh, and now, you know, the PGA and we'll, and we'll close where we started the bears, you know, uh, the bears playing Naperville against Arlington Heights, against the city of Chicago, uh, DuPage County versus Cook County. Uh, and, uh, all for the, to get the bigger handout, who's going to give them the bigger handout for their right. stadium. Right. Uh, and, um, it's just uh, utter shamelessness on the part of the Bears. Uh, and and I've read the sports uh, commentaries uh, talking about, well, this is capitalism, and these are just capitalists and how they operate. And it's just funny, Monroe, uh, 
these are capitalists. If they were truly capitalists, they would be expose themselves to the free market. Instead, competition, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Instead, yeah. they want to break and hand out and protection, and so it's and uh, and the screw poor people, the disadvantaged. Yeah. You know, that's it's it's, it's a, a, we have a war on on the poor going on, not a yeah. war on poverty. We have a war on the poor, poor going on. Uh, in, in this country, and it's just um, and the middle class, which keeps shrinking, because yeah. be, be, because yeah, the rich people want to get richer. Yeah, uh, and then again, well, we'll close where we began. Uh, the middle class keeps shrinking. All those CTA jobs uh, that Rom and Daly thought were a good idea to eliminate, save money. <laughs> yeah. Well, when I go when I go to the grocery store, a storage where they have the the, the self serve yeah uh, counters, and then the ones where you have to stand in line, yeah. stand in line because I do not want those jobs. To oh, go I'm with you 100 percent on that. And you know what's funny? I go to the, I was at the CVS. I was telling the CVS guy, like I was at the he he was helping me because I'm an old boomer. I don't know how this stuff works. He was yeah. helping me. And he was so good at it too. But God, you're good at this. He, like, he really knew the buttons and everything. And I go, you know, it's funny. They'll position you here to help me, but they will put you behind the counter where the crash register is. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. I don't know. Do they pay you less because you're not behind the counter? And he didn't want to go there. But I got a feeling, <laughs> I got a feeling they're squeezing every nickel like that. Oh, I do, Jim. 40 years ago, I was at the Tribune, I did a story on gas stations and how they had this newfangled thing where you could they had to self-serve. Yes. And um, I, you know, I, I didn't like it much then, but it never occurred to me that in the not-too-distant future, all of us would be self-serving. There would be nobody out there to wipe your windshield or check your oil. Except, I believe, in New Jersey. Yeah, no, Jersey is the only place it has it. Yeah. It's against the law there. Wow. How good their mafia is or their union or something. I don't know who was responsible, but I was stunned. I pulled over to get gas in Jersey, and I came out. He goes, no, you don't fill it up here. It's Jersey. You get kneecaps for filling it up in Jersey. (laughs) <laughs> shoot your kneecap. <laughs> All right. Views and opinions of Monroe Anderson do not necessarily reflect those that have been dressed. All right. Uh, we have run out of time. Monroe Anderson, thank you very much. We'll check in with you next Wednesday to see if your prediction has come true and that Donald John Trump has indeed uh, been indicted. That's the prediction, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, by this time next week, uh, according to Monroe Anderson, Donald John Trump will be indicted uh, for some kind of charges related to the theft of public documents secret documents that he had stored at Mar-a-Lago. So we're looking forward to seeing uh, if Monroe's uh, prediction comes true. I think you could probably take uh, make bets on it right now uh, somewhere in Vegas. Uh, will this uh, go down? And uh, you want to uh, throw down your money uh, based on what Monroe says? That's what you should do. So uh, we'll talk take, next week. All right, Monroe? Take it to the bank. Take it to the bank. All right, very good. Monroe Anderson. I want to thank producer Chris for doing an outstanding job as he always does. Producer Chris, give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. Peace and love, everybody. And remember, you can always download previous Ben Jarofsky shows, get Benny J bonus interviews, and so much more, all at chicagoreader.com. Follow the Ben Jarofsky Show on Instagram at Benny J Show and like and follow the Ben Jarofsky Show all over the internet on your favorite streaming and podcasting platforms. 